What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards Podcast. I'm Greg Finberg, and today is going to be another lengthy episode. I try to keep this to around three or four games per episode, but got a little caught up uh, this past week with finals uh, at school. So this is going to be a little bit hefty. It's going to be five games. Uh, I mean, half these games are blowouts, so there's not really much to say. So it's not going to be too condensed. There's not much to really offer in terms of you know, analysis on those games, but I'm going to hit on them. Um, Philadelphia and Sacramento being the two blowouts, uh, New Orleans, honestly, as well. Um, and then, you know, just kind of get into into the better games where we, you know, the Wizards finally pick up a win at home against Indiana and then almost win uh, what would have been their best win of the season on the road against KD and Booker and Phoenix. Um, so getting right into it, we'll start. This this game against Philadelphia, it's not the first game they were competitive and lost by three. It's the game in Philadelphia where they just got blown out of the water. Game wasn't even close to begin with. Um, no Gafford to start. He had a, a right ankle injury, so you knew Embiid was going to go off. Uh, I mean, anything less than 50 for Embiid was honestly a win for the Wizards, and you knew he probably wouldn't get it considering he probably wouldn't play the fourth quarter, which happened, of course. Um, Muscala started in his place. Gallo came off the bench. Uh, that just kind of shows how West feels about Gallinari. He can't defend anything, and especially against the the best, one of the best offensive players, if not the best right now in the league, you can't stick Gallo on him. It's barbecue chicken every time. So we start Muscala at the, at the five. Obviously, he gets cooked. Um, the Sixers started... Four of four from three, out to a twelve zero lead. Timeout. West on So Junior. Me not flinching at all. I knew this was going to happen. No one should put their head down because, I mean, it's just a combination of one of the worst teams in the league playing one of the best teams in the league in one of the hardest places to play, uh, and that shit continued throughout. I think it was nineteen to seventeen to two, then nineteen to four, forty three to twenty seven. Sixers led after the first quarter. The Wizards' perimeter defense was just non-existent. They allowed the Sixers to shoot 60% from three. They turned the ball over six times. The score was so lopsided that Patrick Baldwin Jr., a guy who doesn't play at all, got in in the second quarter because Wesonto Jr. thought, you know what, this game is so far over, 15 minutes in, I might as well get him run now instead of waiting until the fourth quarter. I mean, it was pretty uh, pretty um emblematic of of how the the first quarter went and Patrick Baldwin Jr. actually played pretty well I I believe he had 12 points he shot it fairly well from three defended well had a a block or so so I was very impressed actually with him and that's coming off 27 points um and and 14 rebounds in the G League so I mean I'm intrigued to say the least about PBJ and I know a lot of fans have wanted to see what he can do for the season so hopefully he gets some some run after the trade deadline when we trade some pieces don't want to really stay on this game too long because there's not really much to give. The Wizards were down 30 in the second quarter, down 29 at half. They gave up 75 points in the first half. That's at least at least eight first halves this season that they've given up 70-plus, which is it's absolutely gross considering there really hasn't been that many games played. Um, in, the fourth qu- in the third quarter, down 45, down 45 entering the fourth quarter. My takeaways, I usually give takeaways – after every game, it's four to five bullet points, just highlighting good plays, uh, bad plays, stuff like that. I, I didn't want to waste anybody's time with my takeaways in this one. My takeaways were Wizards bad, Sixers good. There's not really much else to say. The Wizards 
not a great team. And the Sixers are one of the better teams in the league, and, and it showed. And the Wizards, the Wizards lost by 45. Again, I don't want to harp on it too much. This is a game that you shouldn't have won. I didn't even expect it to be close. But again, it should have been much closer. So, And it shows how, how, how important Gaff is to us. People think, you know, he fouls too much or, you know, he doesn't he doesn't defend it the way that you want him to. But look, look how bad we played without him. So if you want to take anything out of that, it shows the importance of Gafford. But that that loss uh, put the Wizards, I believe, at three and eighteen or no, three and nineteen. Sorry, um, entering an, a game back home against against the Pelicans. Um, no Zion for the Pelicans. Gafford back for the Wizards for this game, which is big going against Valanciunas. And the Wizards started out hot. And it seems like every single game, the Wizards start out very well from the floor. Great game plans from Wes. I've said it his whole tenure here. He's a great game planner. He knows how to hit the other, hit the opponent from the start, play very well, get out to an early lead. He just has no clue what he's doing in terms of keeping that lead, which is why the Wizards blow so many. Um, but look, who's hit two threes early? Danny even hit a three, had a nice and one. The Wizards were rolling. They were up 21 to six. With six minutes left in the quarter, they they couldn't be stopped. They were getting stops, but you knew that shit wasn't going to last, and of course it didn't. Uh, the Pels stormed back, got hot from deep. Uh, one thing one thing I didn't understand was Anthony Gill getting rotational minutes in the second quarter. This is a guy that doesn't play. He doesn't even usually get in towards the end of games when you're trying to get younger guys minutes. Um, he doesn't play rotational minutes, but Wes Unso Jr., for the longest time, has used him as just a random play minutes generator or whatever you want to say. It'll just be a random Tuesday, and Anthony Gill has gone seven straight DNPs, and then bang, he starts, or he's the sixth man off the bench. I don't get it. I, I like Gill as a person. I think he's a decent player, but I don't I don't really get his, you know, playing a lot in one game and then not playing for a six-game stretch. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, but nonetheless, it's not like Gil really affected much. The Wizards didn't play any defense, especially on the perimeter. Uh, the Pels got hot, tied the game halfway through the second, went on another big run, and, and they were up 11 and a half. That's a 26-point turnaround in a half. From down by 15 to up 11 at half. Another double-digit blown lead by the Wizards. It, it's it's the same thing. And then you, you hear guys like Kuz after games say, we have to figure it out. We have to find out how we don't blow leads. I I feel like they're just spewing at this point because nothing happens. They just keep blowing lead after lead after lead after lead. This was the fourth time this season they've had a double-digit 15-plus, or I should say 15-plus point lead and blown it and eventually lost the game. They can't hold a lead to save their life, um, and it's bad. The only positive from this game, I'd say, was Kuz, 23 points on 8-13 from the field. Uh, he continues to be a bright spot in all of these losses, scoring well, and he's, he's not the chucker that people envisioned from him at the beginning of the season. He He's scoring a lot of points, and he's doing it on few shots. Uh, so uh, I, I just want to shout out him. I thought he played well. Um. Jordan Poole also in the first half didn't play well at all. Just two points, 
on only three shots. Um, I tweeted out during the game, in no way should Jordan Poole be going shot for shot with Anthony Gill in any half of any basketball in any season. It's malpractice. That is the that is your their highest played player, the guy who you traded for to be a focal point of this rebuild, and he's going shot for shot for your fifteenth man who's getting paid less than two million dollars. Why? That that can't happen. You gotta run some plays to get him shots, put the ball in his hands more, something. And yes, it's on Jordan for not being more aggressive, but it's also on Wooj and it's also on everyone else for not for not getting him those opportunities. That can't happen. Uh, and then the second half was more of the same. Look, the Pels shot very well, and, and the Wizards' defense didn't help at all, their lack thereof, but they shot it well. The Wizards went on a couple runs. There was one in particular I want to talk about. It was an 8-0 run headlined by Bilal. Uh, Bilal is, for most Wizards fans, the reason they're still watching games at this point. Uh, he had a baseline floater. Then he had a spot-up three. Then Denny dimes Gallo for an open three, and the Wizards were right back in the game. I think they cut it to seven at that point. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the the lack of defense was just so evident. With 7.33 left in the fourth quarter, the Pelicans had not only put up 125 points, but they were shooting 53% from three. Zero defense, zero resistance. And then it was just a blowout from there. Wizards lose big. They're now 3-18, and 18, or 3-19, and 19, sorry. No, three and twenty, uh, and it's just it sucks when you you play well enough to win games, but you can't hold those leads, and you eventually lose by this many points. It it, it was just another result of of West and the, and the, and the whole squad really not understanding what it takes to close teams out to grow leads and not blow them. Um, there were two two bright spots that I saw throughout this game. Denny had a behind-the-back pass to Corey for three. That that was one of the best passes I've ever seen. He caught the ball on a cut, quickly threw it behind his head to Corey, not even looking at him, who drained the three. Very impressive. Uh, and then I tweeted about this, um, and I a lot of people were like, this is nothing, like you're just grasping at straws. But I, I tend to disagree. When, when Wes was at half court, literally on the court, challenging and arguing call for for coups that he didn't get and he got teed up for it that's what i've been asking for from him for the longest time he doesn't pick up texts he doesn't stand up for his, his guys he doesn't stand up for his players doesn't challenge when his players want him to and that shit rubs off negatively on everyone and to see him go out like that pick up a tech after coups was getting hacked all game and not getting anything for it you even saw Kuz dapped him up afterward to show, you know, hey, coach, I appreciate that. I need to see more of that from Wes. You need to need to see more of the fire and more of that passion for him, not only, you know, the game, but his players as well. You got to, as a coach, be able to stick up for your players, pick up that tech, even if you don't want to. Um, and, and he did, which I, I, I thought was a really great moment in the game. Um, and that that was the the New Orleans game. So that's, that's two straight losses to start the week. Uh, and you know, am I mad at any of those losses? No, it's Philly who you should have lost to New Orleans, you know, surging team out West. Very good. No Zion, but still a great team. Uh, the blown lead's not good, but you move on and three and 20 entering a home matchup with Indiana, a team that 
you had already played opening night, and they, they pretty handily beat you. They set their record for most points scored on an opening night. Uh, just a, a poor performance all around from the Wiz. You return home and face them. And this is an Indiana team that puts up points against a Wizards team that puts up points, and neither team defends. So you knew it would be pretty high scoring. Whatever team defended for the longest would, would probably win the game, and that's what happened. Um, Wizards entered losers of, of six straight games. Um, and I tweeted before the game, actually, that I was expecting a big night from Poole. I don't know why, but I just felt, you know, if, if Poole is ever going to get it right and he's ever going to figure it out, it's going to be against this Indiana team that plays zero defense. Um, and I was I was pretty pretty spot on. I predicted 32 points, five assists for Poole. He ended up dropping 30 points and eight assists. Um, I mean, yeah, I was pretty happy with that prediction because I, I just, I thought, you know, if the game is going to happen, it's going to be against this, this terrible defense. And it did probably up to that point, his best performance as a wizard, efficient, passed it well, didn't turn it over, um, scored at a great clip, just a really great night for pool. The wizards were winning by seven at half. Uh, there was a Bilal dunk over Aaron D Smith that I was really just, it was one of the best plays I've seen, obviously, from Bilal in his in his young career. But he took it on the on the wing, dribbled it in, just went right through the dunk. He he's getting way more aggressive. He's figuring it out, especially when taking it to the rim and finishing through contact. Um, and then he had a play where he blocked seven to Miles Turner or seven foot Miles Turner, the center for the Pacers, uh, which led to a JP layup. And then Jordan Poole got the ball. He checked from three, banked that shit, and got so fucking lucky, but I'll take it. Um, and then at the half, foot 18 and four, the Wizards were up 14. They were rolling. Um, and I tweeted out, actually, at at half, like, um, do you think the Wizards are going to blow this lead? And then there's four options. It was yes, of course, 100%, and the last one was no. It was trying, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to be a little funny here and make it a little, like, comedic relief because most people fought, figured that they would they would blow this lead. Uh and they, they surprisingly didn't. They grew the lead to 19 by the end of the third. Indiana went on some runs and cut it to around 12, but they were never really in it, in it. And when Halliburton went back to the locker room, didn't return, you knew this this game was pretty much over. Um, and, and the Wizards won. They they won their first game since the Pistons game. This was the first team over 500 that the Wizards had beaten all season. Uh, their, their wins had come against the Hornets, the Grizzlies, the Pistons, three horrendous teams. Um, so to see them pick up a win against a competent opponent, one in which they were, I think, nine-point underdogs or something, nine-and-a-half-point underdogs at home, uh, it was great to see, just great performance all around. Poole's best game as a Wizard, 30 points on 12 of 18 from the field, eight assists, four rebounds, 75% from three, plus 15 on the night. Just can't say enough about how well he played. Tyus Jones dropped, I think, the sneakiest triple-double I've ever seen for a second career triple-double. I thought he was having a good game, but not like this. He had 13 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Completely dominated the other point guard um, for, for the majority of the game. Obviously, Halliburton got his, but didn't defend Tyus at all. Uh, so I, I, this was obviously Tyus' best game as a wizard. Just really, really good. Uh, Bilal, great again. Up to this point, over his last six games, this is at the Indiana game, he was averaging 13.8 uh, points and 5.7 rebounds on 43% from three. 43% from three for a guy that people considered a 
true project in terms of shooting. Thought he'd be a uh, three and or you know a guy that came into the league and defended well, but took a lot of time to get that three ball down. Kind of like a Patrick Williams who now has that three ball down, but took a little bit to get it down. But Law kind of has it down, especially from the corner. Um, so incredibly impressed with what I've seen up to this date from Bilal. And then Kuz dropped 30, uh, most casual 30 ball ever. Kuz has been great all year. The Wizards approved to 4-20. It it felt like their best all-around all performance, four-quarter performance of the whole season against a really solid basketball team in Indiana, a team I think will make the playoffs, not even as a playing team, but I think they'll sneak in in that top six range. So to pick up your fourth win, it was great. A lot of people were were, were like, oh, why'd you win? You know, you got to keep pace with the with the Pistons. It doesn't matter. We are so bad that I don't. It, we you can keep winning. There, the teams like Charlotte are, have three games in hand that are in the fourth spot right now. Memphis is going to get better when Ja comes back tonight. The, the Wizards are going to get the top three. They're going to get a fourteen percent chance at number one. Is no point to panic just because they won their fourth game in game twenty four. So again, another great performance by the Wizards. Uh, but this time, they don't blow the lead, and it results in a win. So very happy with that. And then you move on to Phoenix. Uh, you start a four-game West Coast road trip where you'll go to Phoenix, to Sacramento, uh, to Portland, and to Golden State. I tweeted out – I don't know why I did this. I kind of set myself up here. Um, I tweeted out the four games, and I asked, what do you think the Wizards record will be? Obviously, the comments were flooded with 0-4, oh, 1-3. Some guy even put 0-5, oh, and, and I was just like, they don't even play five games. And then he responded, if they did play five, they would lose them all, so I might as well, which obviously, funny comment. I can't really say much. They probably would. But four games, if I had to predict at the beginning, I would have also said 1-3. and three. You know, Phoenix, Sacramento, very strong teams. Golden State, not that good this year, but... They will kill us. We can't defend the perimeter. They are the best, one of the best perimeter shooting teams in the league. Um, and the only one I could really find was Portland, who I still think we'll lose to. So going to be a tough, tough stretch going in. And you go to that that Phoenix game, obviously circled at the beginning of the year for Bradley Beal playing his first game against his former team. Bradley Beal didn't play. He got hurt the game before after being out for a while. He's missed... 24 games I think already this season the guy is never healthy and you never prey on anyone's downfall I hope Brad gets back to to his usual self and he gets healthy as soon as possible but I mean this is this is why the Wizards moved on I mean this is a guy that's missed 25 30 plus games every year and for the last couple years he had been he had been missing 40 50 plus games just not ever available he's just an injury prone player and when he's making $50 million per year, you can't have that. Especially on a team like the Wizards that had him and Porzingis and Kuz. They, no one else, really. So you couldn't afford for, for him to be out. Um, so Brad didn't play. He's probably going to be out another two, three weeks with his ankle sprain. Uh, but nonetheless, they still have Katie and Booker, and they have a really deep team. So the Wizards were going to be in for a tough one. And again, they started out great. 21-9. to Halfway through the first quarter, completely blitzed them. We're playing really good. Jordan Poole had so many deflections. He might have had matched his season total in the first quarter. He was 
he was as good as I've ever seen him on defense in the first quarter. Kuzma was scoring. I believe he had 12 after the first. Wes even challenged a blatant missed call, an out-of-bounds call, that got reversed, and he won the challenge early on in the game. He was actually influenced by his players to to, to, to use a challenge, and he, he messed up later in the game with the challenges. I'll get to that later. But, again, an encouraging sign to see him at least learning from his mistakes. But, look, everything was clicking early on. Tyus Jones could have missed, and, look, this is a Suns team that can't defend point guards from three, apparently. This was the game after they let Jalen Brunson go nine of nine from three. They let Tyus Jones go three of three in the first half. He had 15 points, six assists, diming up everyone. Getting to that floater, which is pretty much automatic at this point, uh, just completely controlling the pace of the game, making it a fast-paced game, which suits the Wizards. And and the Wizards were up 12 at half, 58-46. But again, I get, I get back to this. It's just like the New Orleans game. Uh, it's just like what happened both times against Charlotte, just like what happened against Toronto. You know they're not going to win. They can play as good as the as you want them to for the first three quarters. They could be up a million, and I will not be content because I know this team loves blowing leads. And and I wasn't I wasn't flinching at all because I knew what happened and it did. I even tweeted about it entering the fourth quarter. They were up eighty nine eighty one in the fourth, and I said, look. I'm very happy with how they played. I think they played a really good game. But you know when Katie and Book come back in this game, they're going to attack. They're going to play aggressive. They're going to hunt fouls. They're going to get them because they're Katie and Book. And they're they're just going to completely outclass the Wizards to end this game. And that's exactly what happened. I hope people understand what I'm tweeting. I know my team. Like I, I, I've watched this team every minute. All season, I know exactly when shit's gonna happen, and and it did happen. the The nine run run to start the fourth quarter was probably the most predictable run I could have ever seen coming. It was it was even more predictable coming from Jordan Goodwin, who the Wizards traded in the Bradley Beal trade, just out hustling the Wizards, getting to loose balls, offensive rebounds, putback layups, getting steals. And at that point, it's ninety to eighty nine, and there's there's still nine minutes left. You know the Wizards aren't winning. Um, and, and Katie and Booker did just that. They, they took over late. It was, I think, 106-101. Jordan Poole had a really sick layup. Tyus Jones draws an offensive foul on, on Nurkic, and then we come down, and Gaff gets a putback. We're right back in it. We're right back in it, and then all you got to do is, is get one stop, and you have a chance to win the game, and and this is the, this is the, the moment in the game that I really want to talk about. You get KD at the elbow, isolated one-on-one with Kuz, exactly what they wanted. If if I were the Wiz, I'm sending a double his way. I'm making Eric Gordon beat me. I'm making Yusuf Nurkic beat me. I don't know who their fifth guy on the floor, I think Grayson Allen. I'm making Grayson Allen beat me. I'm not letting KD beat me. And, and you know, we did. KD one-on-one right by Kuz with a sick rip-through move, gets a dunk and one, makes the free throw, four-point game from there. It's over. Only nine seconds left for the Wizards. Uh, and, and here's what I want to talk about with Wes. I I think he should have challenged this play. Um, number one, I saw Gaff on the bench talking to Muscala, and maybe I read his lips wrong, but I think Muscala said like, "Yo, did you touch him?" And Gaff said, "Nah, I don't even. I didn't even touch him." At that point, you have a use it or lose it challenge. You're you're gonna lose the game. You're not gonna hit a three. Get the foul them. They're gonna make two free throws. Then you somehow bank in a three to go to overtime, or they miss one. You tie with a two. That's just not gonna happen. 
you might as well just use your, your timeout. And I don't care if it's your last one. Just, you know, go for broke here. And Frank Vogel did it at the end of the game as well when, when they fouled us and they reversed it. The Suns got the ball back and the game was over um, on the ensuing possession. But I thought he should have challenged it, not only because I didn't necessarily think the contact warranted a foul call, but Katie drove to the right. Gafford was going to go to help. And Nurkic blatantly was was holding Gaff. Not not allowing him to get fully extended and jump and and try to to defend KD on the dunk, I I thought usually that's called an offensive foul and uh, I don't I don't blame them for for not calling it late in the game. It's pretty you know bush league thing to call late, but Gaff was prohibited from going up and contesting the KD dunk. I think if if West challenges that, there's probably a fifty fifty chance that they win it. And again, just to use it, I don't. I don't understand the infatuation from the West and from the Wizards coaching staff to take your take your fucking challenges with you on the plane. Like, just use it. Who cares if you're wrong? The game's over anyway. And if you're right, you get the ball back down one with ten seconds left. It's it's so worth it, and I I, I didn't like that they didn't even go for it. Um, but look. They played very well against a, a preseason contender. They haven't had a great season yet, but they're not terrible. But at the end of the day, this is a game they should have won. It's it's the fifth-blown double-digit lead resulting in a loss this year for the Wizards. It is it is so infuriating watching every night, no knowing that no matter how big the lead is, they're going to find a way to lose. This team just loves finding ways to lose. And look... When you're tanking, that's fine. Um, it's it's frustrating for me, but I can, I'm I'm mature enough to see the silver lining that every single loss gets us closer to a better pick. But you should win some of these games if you were a competently coached team, if you were had enough competent players, especially in your front court, uh, at that center position, you would win a lot more games. And it's it's just frustrating night night out to see this. Great effort go to waste because you can't close out teams late in the game. Uh, also, I want to talk about Jordan Poole took one of the worst shots I've ever seen at the end of the game. He came off a pin down on the inbounds on the right wing. And he, down four, obviously, going for a three, not, not the worst thing in the world. You kind of need it. He could have just caught it and squared up and shot it. He took it, faded away from about 35 feet. And it was it was the bit it was just a brick straight off the backboard hit the rim not even close um just a, a terrible shot just wanted to talk about that horrible shot um but look again like I mentioned fifth fifth game that you should have won honestly fifth blown double digit lead resulting in a loss this year some of those are more egregious nineteen point lead against the Hornets um twenty one point lead I believe against the Raptors this this was a sixteen point lead at one point. And that was pretty early on. It wasn't like it was in the fourth quarter. But you, again, blew a lead. And it's the same thing, and you're not getting any better at it. Uh, and, and it's frustrating. As a, from a fan's perspective, I'm sure from a player and coach's perspective, you know, 9 and 16 looks a lot better than 4 and 21. But 4 and 21 is a lot better in terms of getting a better draft pick. So if you want to look at it like that, that's the good side of it, I guess. I don't really know. I'm just trying to rationalize here. But that put the Wizards at 4-21 and entering Sacramento. 
I also want to touch on, lastly, before I move on to Sacramento, Daniel Gafford. I, I've been on the Gafford hype train literally ever since he was a bull and he dominated the Wizards during that 2020 season before we traded for him. Even before that, I tell my dad, this man is unreal. I don't know if it's just he plays well against the Wizards because we have no center, but we need him, and we traded for him, and he has been a revelation in Washington. He's gotten better every year, and he was a guy that would come off the bench a lot of times um, during his first couple years and, and really control that unit and, and dominate that second unit center, and he's made the transition into being able to play well against starting caliber centers in this league. He had the best game by far of his career against against Nurkic, a really solid center for Phoenix. 26 points on 10 of 13 from the field for a guy that doesn't create any of his own shots. This is all getting it down low and putting it in, getting offensive rebounds and putting it back, fighting for loose balls. Like He, he doesn't get the ball ever. It's not like you're posting up gaff. He, he finds the ball, he puts it in, and he, he went to work. 26 points on 10 of 13 from the floor. Career high in points, career high in rebounds with 17. Just completely dominated Nurkic, controlled the, enti- the paint the entire game. Can't say enough about him. Tyus Jones was also phenomenal all game again. Uh, but look, I just want to shout out Gaff for, for his performance. The best I've seen from Gafford his entire career and his entire time here. So that puts the Wizards at 4-21, and like I said, entering Sacramento. Uh, and this is the second night of a back-to-back. The last time they played a back-to-back was, if you remember, the really competitive effort in Milwaukee where they lost by three, 131 to 128, I believe. Had a chance to tie it at the end, couldn't convert, um, but really played them tough. And I came out of that game thinking, all right, this is this is the performance you want. You lost, which is fine, better draft pick, but you played well enough to win the game. And then you went home and you lost to Atlanta by 28 and you were never close and the effort wasn't there and you couldn't defend and you didn't even try. And that's exactly what I didn't want to see tonight in Sacramento. And for the most part, I didn't see that. I liked the effort. Um, Obviously not expected to win second ever back to back against a, at the time, 15 and nine Sacramento team that is only getting better. Uh, and the start was actually pretty solid again, led by four after one Kuz had 10 points. Didn't score until I think the third quarter after that, but, he was all right. Jordan Poole had, 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 I think, eight, you know, a decent quarter. And then the 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 fatigue, the second night of a back-to-back sloppiness kind of took over. And the Wizards just got pretty lazy. Lazy passes, lazy closeouts, poor shot selection, turnovers, bad passes, you name it. And against a good team like Sacramento, they're going to jump all over that shit. And they did. Um, ended up going into half up by 11, I believe. Um, Sabonis killed us all game, dropped the triple double. It's just, it's a tough matchup for Gafford. He, he struggles with those, you know, bigger bruising centers that'll kind of go into your chest. Like Sabonis, especially a guy like Sabonis, who's really crafty. So I'm not even mad at the way Gaff defended him. It was just a tough overall matchup and Gaff took it to him on offense as well. So I can't be mad at how Gaff played. Um, Jordan Poole, also very solid, 28 points on eight threes. He shot 61% from three, which is a really efficient clip. Um, and yes, garbage time points in the second half. He got hot when the, the Wizards were down 25. So if you want to discredit it and be negative, that's fine. I understand it. But I I, I still thought he played well and he's put together a couple of, of 
good performances over his last couple of games. He's now up to 24 points per game over his last three. You can see he's slowly but surely figuring it out, you know, not forcing it, but, you know, getting his shots when he can and making them now. So very good from him. And then, look, there's not really much to say. I'm not going to waste your time here. Um, it was just, you know, Kings better, Wizards not good. Again, like the Sixers game, the Kings took care of business against an inferior opponent, and the Wizards just kind of weren't, they didn't have enough, clearly, on the second night of a back-to-back, um, especially after a tough loss like they had in Phoenix the night before. Um, lastly, the last thing I want to say about this game, um, I tweeted out uh, a tweet. This was a, a um, probably the end of the third quarter. I, I basically said, you're a real one if you're up with me at like 11.56 on a random Monday watching the Wizards lose by 20-plus to the Kings. Who you know four and twenty one Wizards team that's already pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. You know if you're watching this game, it's just it's gonna make those twenty twenty eight twenty twenty nine championship runs. Hopefully, when this team is is competent enough to compete, it's gonna make it that much sweeter. And I know you know growing up in in New Jersey, being close to Philadelphia, most of my friends growing up were Sixers fans, and I know you know throughout the whole process they didn't watch the fucking games and. They'll, they they always tell me, you know, I was there, you know, I was watching even when we were the worst team in the league. No, you weren't. You weren't because, like, no one was. And I would go to Sixers games when they were terrible because the Wizards were actually good at that time. And you could you could buy a nosebleed seat and by the end of the game be sitting courtside. There was zero people there. And now everyone wants to go to games, which obviously happens. When your team sucks, no one goes and no one wants to pay. And when they're one of the best teams in the league, everyone goes because they're fun and they're winning. But to watch these games and to watch your team that's already terrible lose by so many points um, late at night as well, you know, that's what makes it that much better when you're you're winning games and you're a competitive team. And that's what's going to make it so much better for I know me who's going to watch every game for the next couple of years. Um, and for a lot of you guys that I know will also be with me watching these games. It's going to make it that much better when they're actually good and they're competing for championships and they're competing for titles. Because if you're only there for the good times, it's not. I don't. I don't understand what what you get out of sports. Like the the down is why the good is is just so great. Like when you're there for the bad years and you get to experience the good years, that is why sports are so fun and so great. And that's what makes winning that much better. So that's just my little rant on on that. But look. It's going to be a long season. The Wizards are four and twenty-two. That just recapped a one and five week. Um, again, it's it's great that that they were able to pick up a game against Indiana. They should have won in Phoenix. They should have, you know, I think they should have won that game against New Orleans. But look, they're not a good team. This is what bad teams do. They lose games they should win, and they're sitting at four and twenty-two. If it weren't for the Pistons being generationally bad and losing 23 straight games, the Wizards would be in position to get the first pick. The way it's shaping up now, I think they're pretty secure that they'll probably get that third pick, being that they're they're neck and neck with the Spurs right now, obviously, for two and three. But I just I think the Wizards are better than the Spurs, and I think the Wizards will beat the Spurs both times they play them. Um so We'll we'll see how that goes, but I wouldn't sweat any time they win. They're not going to win enough games to to get that fourth pick, uh, or or to get the fourth best odds. So that's going to do it for this episode, recapping a one and four week for the Wizards. 
uh, I'll have another, my next episode, I think, I don't know if this is too early. You can let me know. You can DM me or just comment on the, on this uh, when I tweet out the, the pod, if you're listening. I I want to start to get into trade deadline stuff because I know it's it's two months away, but I really want to start looking at pieces that I think could get traded, players that I think could get traded, what I think we could get for them, um, and, and you know who you know just predicting the packages that we could get in terms of do we want to bring in a bunch of second round picks, late first round picks? Do we want some young talent? that we can work in and see you want to take a, a chance on a guy that hasn't panned out somewhere else, but we think is good. I want to kind of get into that. So I might next episode do just a, a really, really early, way too early trade the trade deadline special and just talk trade. So let me know if you want that. If not, I'll continue with these game breakdowns. Cause you know, I've got a lot of nice messages. People enjoy just me talking through these games, you know, kind of coping with myself and with everyone else talking through all of these losses. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode, recapping a one and four week. The Wizards sit at four and 22. They have two more games left of this West Coast trip. Uh, they're at Portland and then they're at Golden State. Then they return home for, for a couple of home games, which I'll I'll actually be at. Um, a game against the Magic on the 26th, then a game against the Raptors on the 27th. So look out for that. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Again, appreciate all you guys for, for tuning in and listening as always. Um, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Go with.